Vuwani outside Tuyando have burnt a police van after officers used rubber bullets to try and disperse them. The angry residents earlier pelted police officers and passing motorists with stones. They handed over a memorandum of grievances to Premier Stan Matabata's office three weeks ago. The residents want Matabata to intervene in the Municipal Demarcation Board's proposal to merge parts of the Makadu and Tulamela municipalities, which include their area and Malumlele, to establish a new municipality. Now the road is totally open. Motorists can use it. When we go far right to Chino and Kwengani, the road are still uh, blocked with stones. But as police, we are doing our visibility to make sure that those roads are totally opened. We'll uh, still maintain our presence till the situation is under control. KwaZulu-Natal police say 329 suspects have been arrested for sexually related offences. The crimes include kidnapping, assault, domestic violence, attempted murder, contravention of protection orders, abduction and rape. Police spokesperson Jay Nikers says the arrest took place last month. 54 of these suspects were convicted in various courts in the province after they were found guilty of sexual offences. Six of them were sentenced to life imprisonment and the others a total of 556 years imprisonment. Management at the SDS units have welcomed the maximum sentences handed down by the courts and they also appreciated the fact that justice was delivered to the victims. Persistence pays off. A Chinese man who spent 20 years saving coins in the hope of marrying his childhood sweetheart has finally used the cash to buy an engagement ring. For two decades, he rarely saw the woman he hoped to marry because they lived in different cities. When she finally returned home, he took the sacks of coins, which weighed more than 150 kilograms, to jewelers so he could propose. The answer was yes. That's a light way to end this bulletin at 1 o'clock. Back with headlines at half past 1. The top story is that the NPA has welcomed the sentencing of the Reich Park toddler murder to life in prison. For SAFM, I'm Stephen Kirker. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. Good day, Tim Zanthi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show is produced by Hazel Marcuseni, and Rob Parkin will be driving our desk today. Our contact details are 0892102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise safm, or at Shadow Twala. Today we talk about two things most women will never leave home without wearing. That's perfume with founder and perfumer Tammy Fraser. And lipstick with beauty expert Daniela Massens. You'll also get a double dose of the children's program today. It's Women's Month, so we're giving moms a present, which means they can take a longer break today. But first... Chew on these wise words. The Lunch Bite on SAFM. I found this quote in the little book of mindfulness that came with this month's issue of Destiny magazine. It says, don't worry about what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. It's by Howard Thurman. 
Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, putting the ladies in the limelight. Putting the ladies in the limelight. I'm so excited to have my guest in the studio, Tammy Fraser, founder and perfumer at Fraser Parfum, is it? Is yes, it, it is. is it Shadow. Parfum? Yes, thanks for having me. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I'm sitting in British Airways and I pick up the magazine and there's this beautiful, beautiful article about how you make this perfume um, in Zimbabwe off, yes. off the waterfalls. Journeys. So what I do is I travel to the source of raw materials and come up with fragrances inspired by places and quite often working with local farmers to set up trade with them to source the raw materials that actually go into the fragrances that I make. Where did all of that come from? I mean, did you study this? Eight years ago, I worked in an investment bank overseas. (laughs) And I decided I wanted to come home. I wanted to come back to South Africa and do something meaningful, something creative, something where I was connecting with people and something to do with the environment. Had some lunch with friends and started talking about fragrance and it was literally a light bulb moment Mm -hmm. where I resigned the next day. Flew back to South Africa via many other places in order to start my journey of research. Mm. And what I found was that there are no places to learn about natural perfumery. And what natural perfumery is, is working with natural and organic perfume raw materials as opposed to working with synthetics. And so I thought, let me spend time with the farmers who are growing these plants around Mm. the world. Mm. Booked a flight and started traveling. Oh, my goodness, what a beautiful story. But you also have a wonderful history, which is connected to cosmetics. Exactly. So on my father's side, he worked for Givadon, which was a Swiss perfume house when Mm -hmm. I was a little girl. So I had a lot of recollected memories about his distillation unit, waking up in the middle of the night and walking through and seeing him distilling propolis because he thought it was an amazing healing Mm -hmm. power. And then on my mother's side, my grandfather invented oil of Olay. So it was quite interesting that I decided to move into a more corporate life and then, I guess, return. And your oil of Olay, and I have a friend, by the way, yes. who calls it oil of delay because she works. <laughs> anti-aging. Used, anti-aging. And she uses that without fail. In fact, I'm going to give you her name. Felicia Mabuza Sutton. Ah, yes. okay. She, you, tell, you, you give her a compliment on her face and she goes, oh, it's my oil of delay. You uh-huh. know? And, and, and it's worked for her all these years. What is it about it? That, that, you know, keeps skin younger. Very interesting. When my grandfather invented it, he worked in a wool washery in Durban. Mm-hmm. And there was a byproduct called lanolin from the sheep's wool that they were trying to extract to use the sheep's wool. And what he found was that the lanolin quite quickly absorbed into the skin and created a protective layer on it. And so that was the secret ingredient. And the word oil of Olay is a play on the word lanolin. Well, you've just given the secret away. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia now. <laughs> well, let's get back to perfumes. Sure. And, you know, you, you do organic perfumes, and I, I, I'd never heard of an organic perfume before. I, I started, you know, reading about you. Um, and it's interesting because you've got all these wonderful ingredients that go into, as you say, you do research, you talk to the farmers to look for those wonderful herbs and and natural ingredients. Yes. And then I started wondering about the synthetic perfumes that we all use. Yes. And and started thinking, I wonder what ingredients there are in there. Why can't we read what is on the bottle? I like to call them airport fragrances. <laughs> and so the difference is that they have been produced within a lab. 
We have something, for instance, let's say sandalwood from Mysore in India. It's a very rare wood. And so what lab technicians will do is take a drop of the sandalwood oil that comes from the wood in Mm -hmm. India, Mm -hmm. and they will put it in a machine called a GCMS, a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. And in that machine will come out the chemical composition of what makes up the odor profile of Ah. that essential oil, we Mm. call it. They will then spend probably up to 12 months in a lab reconstituting it and making it into a synthetic version that does not come from a plant. Mm. And that then is far more stable and far cheaper to produce. Mm. What happens is is that there is a difference in quality. So if we put the essential oil, just one drop of the sandalwood oil in the GCMS machine, we have between 300 and 1500 compounds We don't yet know what all of those compounds are. Quite often they're fatty esters that sit and cling to each other, but we have a voluptuous odor profile with that essential oil in opposed to putting one drop of the synthetic sandalwood in the GCMS, we have between 150 and 300 compounds. So what happens is the odor profile is far more linear. And as a result, you need to then create a formula in the fragrance that is far more layered with synthetics to get a voluptuousness. Whereas with a natural perfume, it changes over time. Just that one raw material of sandalwood mm. is spicy. It's a lactonic wood. It's quite milky. Mm. It's long-lasting. It mm. has all of these other qualities that, for me, was a no-brainer in terms of how I wanted to create my fragrances. I love that voluptuousness. You know, when you say voluptuous, it, it just sounds so female. So, you know, it, 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 it's beautiful. There's a bit of sexiness about it as well. I'm quite a tactile person. <laughs> so, so... Um, you then create these natural. Do you? Where do we find your perfumes, by the way? Uh, I have a concept store in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. What really set me apart in the beginning was that Harrods was my first retailer, and so it was a private room in Harrods on the fifth floor called the Roger Dove Perfumery, mm-hmm. and I was there for four years when mm-hmm. I started in 2008. And now what I do is I retail in more niche, creative places around the world. So in Santa Barbara, there's a designer that has me in her store or St. Moritz there's a hotel in Switzerland Mm. that stocks my Mm. perfumes St. Barth's so quite a few island destinations Maldives Dubai uh, Zanzibar is the next one that's uh, taking me on board beautiful spicy I can can, can almost smell that in in, in Zanzibar so so let's talk about um, the myths about perfume Uh, I see you wrote an article about Uh, whether perfume can attract the opposite sex. It's very interesting to go into questioning whether fragrance, because it's what we've been taught and shown in terms of marketing, Mm. that how it works to, I guess, increase your odds with the opposite sex. And so a couple of years ago, I went to Manchester and met a doctor there, Dr. Craig Roberts, who was the actual man commissioned to work on the Lynx effect. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's Lynx or Axe in mm-hmm. South Africa, the, the deodorant. Mm-hmm. So when, it, when you have to come up with a claim, you need somebody to test it. And so what Craig did was he spent time putting fragrance on men and having women in another room that could not smell but could view the men. And that the women were 
then tasked to judge the men and decide whether or not they were attractive or not. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was the research showed that men who had put fragrance on were more attractive to women, but not because of how they smelled, more because of their confidence levels as a result Ah, of wearing fragrance. So because you've been told that if you use this, you're going to look better or feel good or attract the opposite sex, that's, that's what you project. Yes. So it's all about confidence. Hmm. So how do we choose a perfume? I say to people, as a first step, ask questions. What is in a fragrance or a smell that I like? Hmm. And once you start recognizing names of raw materials, like it can be a rose, ylang from Madagascar, it could be the Apopanax resin from Ethiopia, whatever that might be, once you start knowing what is in something that you like already, you can then use that knowledge to inform the purchase of another fragrance. Oh, okay. Now, why is some perfumes, uh, why are some people allergic to particular perfumes? Is, it, is there a skin thing that has got to do with it? Sometimes it can be that people are sensitive, mm-hmm. and they can be sensitive to synthetics and or natural perfumes. Mm-hmm. So we talk about something in perfumery when we're formulating called phototoxic, and that means don't wear your fragrance and go to the beach because it will have a phototoxic reaction. Mm-hmm. Quite often it's the citrus oils, those top flighty volatile notes mm-hmm. that cause that reaction. So if you did want to wear something and go in the sun, rather wear maybe a vanilla-based perfume, something that's uh, in a water rather than in an alcoholic base or in an oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of allergies and how people react to perfume, it's always important to try a little bit on first. And I would say try natural, mm-hmm. more than synthetic, because quite often it's the synthetic chemicals that are causing a, a skin reaction. And what about pregnant ladies like <gasps> yourself? Yes. <laughs> so what are you wearing today? I'm extremely sensitive to fragrance at the moment, mm. being pregnant. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm wearing a fragrance that I created for a baby. <laughs> so it has a base of cedar wood. Cedar wood is a very interesting white wood from Morocco. It is... The oil that you can bath in that does not cause any allergic reaction. So it's one of the safest oils we work with. You can put as much on of it as you as you like. Mm. And and I've paired that with neroli, a little bit of lemon and a little bit of lavender. It's wonderful, wonderful to to smell. So how do we find you? I want you to come back because we're going to have, you know, my time is short today, uh, but I just wanted that introduction to perfume and how it's made. But as we were sitting, uh, I must tell my guests, uh, my, my, my listeners, with Tammy, we've just decided or I've just proposed that we come up with... Yes, of course. I'm smiling. (laughs) So we're committing on air that we're going to do a shadow twilight perfume. Exactly. An organic one. A bespoke fragrance for shadow. There we have it. And when you come back, then we're going to talk about how this is going to happen. But thank you so much for joining us. And please tell us how people can find you, because I think after today, a lot of people are going to be wanting their bespoke fragrances from you. Yes. And of course, find out other distribution spaces where you are to to get your organic perfume. Thank you so much, Shadow. So you can browse to FraserParfum.com or you can find me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Fraser Puffham uh, or come into our shop, which is at 3 Rose Street in Devata Kant. 
wonderful. Good luck with the baby. I hope Thank I see you so before much. then. And tell Evan I love him, yeah. your husband. <laughs> tell him I love him He's to bits. <laughs> He's listening. Okay, <laughs> tell him I love him to bits. And I miss playing music with him. Thank you, Shadow. You take care now. Take care. When we come back, talking lipstick after this. Shadow Twala on SAFM. Daniela Massens is a beauty expert, a freelance beauty writer and editor. Welcome, Daniela. Hello, Shadow. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. What lipstick are you wearing today? Oh, I'm wearing a delicious poppy red um, by Chanel called Passion. Red has come back in a big way. It has, indeed. Um, Well, I don't think it ever goes out of fashion, but um, there's certainly um, been a great resurgence of it um, throughout winter and also right into summer. Um, girls aren't ditching the red for, for summer, and it's, yeah, um, all over the catwalks we've seen it, um, and it looks beautiful. And Daniela, what are men wearing? What, on their lips? Yes. Well, it depends <laughs> where, where they fall on the sliding scale. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think most men wear a lip balm these days, but um, they've even come up, and Jean-Paul Gaultier created a, a line for men that had, that had a, a lip balm with a slight tint in it as well. So, you know, it just depends on what, what works for you. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I realize that. But let's, let's just look back at, at, at lipstick because, um, choosing one, we often use, um, the, the house that makes it and produces it. But does it always mean that it's safe to use? Uh, can we, can we get allergies from lip, wearing lipstick? What, what ingredients go in there and what should we be asking before purchasing? Um, well, I think, you know, I mean, there's, there's something very special, you know, about pulling out a beautiful lipstick case, you know, and if something that's got a prominent brand name or something and applying it, I mean, it, it feels luxurious. It's, it's, a, it's an instant status symbol where, you, you know, you, you, can, you can tell lots of things about a person without them having to say a word. But um, I don't think that that should be your only criterion. Um, I've used lipsticks from the most expensive lipsticks in the world right to the cheapest in my years as a beauty editor. And I think for me the most important thing is the formulation. Um, I, look at, I look at a lipstick and obviously the color will attract me. Mm-hmm. And then I feel the texture. You know, um, if I like, the, I, I don't like lipsticks that are too greasy, and I certainly don't like lipsticks that are very fragrant. You know, if I if I if I've got a lipstick on my lips and, and I can smell it all the time, that mm. irritates me, and and I don't like it, so I take it off. Um, you know, and 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 it, it just it's, it really is all about the formulation, and and uh, if you look in my makeup bag, I've got everything from from sort of you know. Mm relatively cheap lipsticks, you know, sort of very affordable lipsticks right up to the most expensive ones. And, and yeah, as long as they tick the criteria for me that I mentioned, uh, they're fine. So you carry more than one lipstick? Oh, yes, I carry, oh <laughs> I carry multiple <laughs> and also different textures. You know, I've got a, a classic lipstick tube. I've got a, I've got a, a lip stain, um, lip gloss, uh, you know, all various things. But Talking regarding mm-hmm. what you said about allergies, um you know, anybody can be allergic to anything, and even if you've been using something for many years, like like certain foods, for instance, you know, you, you might be fine for a long time, and then suddenly you might develop an allergy to it according to what's happening in your own body. Mm. So, so you know, um, and and there have been there has been controversy over the years, you know, about all the, the ingredients that are used in lipsticks and everything. I mean, you get these emails, you know, talking about the lead that we that we eat every day, mm. um, you know, in, in, in when, we, when we have our lipsticks um, on, etc. 
but they've done several studies, and the, the U.S. Um, FDA has said that, that the amount of lead in a lipstick is so minuscule, um, you know, that, that, it, that it wouldn't affect a woman. A um, I suppose the, the, the safety measure would be how many times a day do you apply lipstick? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're one of those people who applies lipsticks every 20 minutes, and there are some people who become completely obsessed, you know, then possibly you, you need to sort of look at something that might be lead-free or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, as far as as far as, as the big safety um, bodies are concerned, they, they say that there's not a problem with using lipstick. Does the same apply to lip gloss? Um, I think lipstick itself, because it's made up mostly of, of minerals and, and sort of waxes and everything like that, you know, the, the minerals I think might be the things that are, are more of a concern. Lip gloss is, is a different texture. I speak under correction, but uh, but I don't think so. Hmm. Now, now, you spoke about a, a, a kind of, of a smell of a lipstick. You said if you could smell it, then you, you don't like that. But there's other there's others that taste very sweet. Yes, exactly, um, yeah. Are those recommended? What's what's that sweet taste? Well, well, it would be a perfume that they put into it, you know. And if I can if I can smell something or taste something that's too much, then I really don't like it, you know. Um, and and that's my personal preference. Some people, I mean, they go out and they actively look for a bubble gum flavored something or other, you know. <laughs> but for me, um, I prefer things to be sort of very, um, yeah, very subtle in in in, in the smell and the taste, and also in the texture. But going back to colours, and you say you've got a lot in your bag at the moment. Um, do, do people change colours with seasons? What, what, what's, is, is there a kind of rule of do's and don'ts with lipstick? Um, again, it's, I think it's about personal preference. But obviously, in, in summer, we're all wearing sort of softer, lighter colours, and, and the sun is much brighter. So people tend to go for. For, for more sheer nude textures and everything, and, and you know possibly you know um, brighter springy sort of happy colours, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas in winter the, the lighting is different and your clothes are different, you know. So the, the richer velvety colours are more, are, you know, are more what we steer towards. Um, but but every every season, whenever you know we're looking at researching what the trends are, and, you know, everyone always says, oh well, you know, nude is the new black or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so so you know we're always overturning these rules. Um, yeah, I think I think you you need to find um, what what suits you and what will work nicely with your outfit. Um, and a good tip that I learned from Bobby Brown um, a few years ago is if you don't know which color suits you, mm-hmm. you know you, you know so we, we always say well there is a red out there for you you know for instance um, if, if, you know do, do you have a blue undertone or a, or a yellow undertone and then. If you have a blue undertone, then you go for the blue reds, like the cherries and fuchsias, etc. But if you have a yellow undertone, then you would go for the golden reds, like the um, terracottas and all of those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But if you really can't figure out what that is, um, the, the trick they say is you look on the inside of your lip and you see what your natural lip color is on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you just lift your, your lip forward, mm-hmm. and that will give you basically what 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 your tone is and and to match accordingly. Oh, that's fantastic. That's nice to know because, yeah, and it makes sense, actually. It, it, it does make sense. Let's talk about kissing and, and leaving <laughs> and leaving marks on everybody because that's yes. what happens. Are there lipsticks that you can wear and kiss and not without leaving a mark? Yes, um, transfer proof lipsticks or, or long wearing lipsticks have been around for many years. I mean, remember in the 80s we had Revlon with their color stay lipstick and, it's, and, and the payoff line was won't kiss off. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, there are these lipsticks, and and the, the more technology improves, um, you know, the better these lipsticks become. Often in the old days, they were very drying, and they sort of, you know, they felt you felt as if they sucked all the moisture out of your lips. But the new technologies are fantastic. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's in the lipstick itself where the lipstick actually stains your lips and then it's got a setting mm. um, action or otherwise you, um, with other ones you, you use the lipstick and then you've got a setting balm over it. Um, but it'll only stay fast as long as you use it according to those parameters. I mean, if you apply a Vaseline or a lip gloss over it afterwards, um, you, you know, if, 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 if it's not something that's part of that lipstick, then it won't last as long and it will, it will transfer as well. Okay, so but it's easy. Wherever one buys their lipstick, they should be able to get advice of yes. of the transfer-proof ones. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I want you. I want you to please uh, just give us some um, trivia about lipstick that we may not know, because I love that tip Bobby Brown gave you. Already, mm. you've helped me. So, I want you to think of some trivia. Uh, that that you can talk to us about and, and share with us uh, about about lipstick and maybe some do's and don'ts um, that you you find people because and and I, I also want to talk about the the, the liner the lip liner mm. is it really necessary to use the lip liner or not and how to find the right one because you find other people who just use um, the the eye, eye eye liner as 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 a lip liner but stay on the line with us Daniela because uh, we we're going to take news headlines and we'll. We'll just think about those questions I asked, and then we'll come back and talk to Great. you. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, my guest is Daniela Massenz, and we're talking lipstick, but it is now time for news headlines with Stephen Kirker. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. Daniela Massenz is my guest. She's a beauty expert, freelance beauty writer and editor. And we're talking lipstick specifically, but I also want other beauty tips from you, Daniela, if you may. But just give us the trivia, please, that I asked for. Well, I mean, since, it's, since we're celebrating Women's Day, um, uh, I think, I think we, we need to also recognize the fact that lipstick actually has been a symbol of female emancipation and rebellion in mm. the past, mm. you know, in, the eight, in the late 1800s. Um, um, the first sort of really commercial lipsticks became available, sold over the counter. Um, and, um, you know, and women were sort of starting to go through the suffrage movement and everything. And, and right up into the, into the sort of early 1900s, they, they, they embraced lipstick as a symbol of their emancipation and their defiance against the norm. You know, it was a way of gaining control of their own lives and their own bodies. Um, and this has been throughout history. Um, and I think I think um, we all know that, that lipstick is a great pick-me-up and a mood booster. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in in World War Two, Winston Churchill is said to have have forbidden rationing on lipstick because this was a little luxury <laughs> that that women could actually keep for themselves. You know, to 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 ensure that they um, you know everything else was sort of falling around apart about them, but that lipstick was something that gave them a daily pick-me-up. And, and for that very reason, um, you know, they, they do the Look Good, Feel Get Better campaign, you know, with cancer sufferers and everything, where, where, where women have embraced makeup and everything. So for those, for those um, very reasons, I think that lipstick is quite a powerful thing. Yeah, because I remember, in fact, there's a time, I, I, I'm not sure if it was during Queen Elizabeth's um, or Queen Victoria's time, yes. when I think women were forbidden at some point to use lipstick uh, because uh, they were... 
regarded as loose morals. As yeah. loose morals, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, throughout history, I mean, the ancient Greeks also forbade it, and I mean, and, and throughout history, they've they've tried to sort of ban the use of any sort of makeup and adornment, you know. But but there've been times when that has happened, and there are other times where. You know, it was perfectly acceptable for men and for women to to wear makeup and lipstick. Um, you know, in the in the court of the Louis the Fourteenth, you know, the men and the women wore lipstick, and the women also used the lipstick to rouge their nipples and and things like that. <laughs> uh, because it was a more it was a more licentious time. You know, people people were freer with their bodies. Um, even even George Washington is, is said to have used lipstick. You know, so so and and then right if you go right back to the ancient Romans and Egyptians and everything, men and women also used used lipstick equally there, and that was a it was a symbol of their status. Mm-hmm. You know that if you could afford to to use like the Sumerians crushed gemstones on your lips, you know, then 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 it obviously it was it was an instant status symbol for you, and they also used it as a as, as a medicine in a way to prevent evil humors or. Or illness, you know, from you know, from entering their lips as a barrier of protection. Is that is that why the color red then? Because it's predominantly, I mean, as far back as I can remember, lipstick has always predominantly been red. Red has yeah. been the main color. I think so. I think I think red has been, but mainly because it's it's such a it's such a staining color, you know. So I mean, they've been using. I mean, you know, they've been using, they've gone right back into ancient times, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, the first cave people who, who were there, you know, painting on the walls, I'm sure some, some with a berry, a beautiful red berry color would have thought, oh, I wonder what this would like, it would look like on my lips. I mean, I would do that, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, and I mean, they've used all sorts of, of reds and uh, like, like red lead, and berries, clays, henna, even insects like cochineal and everything have been used throughout um, the centuries. I, I, you know, I remember it stains, it stains the skin, and then they would probably mix it up with some gums or, or some waxes or something to make it to give it hold. I remember when I was a little girl, somebody using dyed crepe paper. Yes, you exactly. Know, or yeah, ribbons. Uh, yeah, you, you would rub it on your, on your, you'd fold it up and rub it onto your lips. <laughs> like that, yeah. And those and those pink sweets that they sort of transfer yes. to your lips. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, there, there is a thing about about lipstick. So the do's and don'ts, not much really, uh, I, I believe. Uh, just yeah, um, I think I think the do's definitely. I mean, especially if you're going to wear um, a, a strong color like a red or something, is you need to you need to prep your lips. Mm. And you know, so I mean, we've all seen people, you know, who've got very dry, cracked, loose skin on their lips and everything, mm. especially in winter. Mm. You know, and then they apply lipstick over it, and it clumps, and it doesn't look very good. Mm. You know, so I think I think definitely exfoliate your lips, and you can do that with with a, with a toothbrush gently, just wet the toothbrush and wet your lips, and then just take the slough off the skin, and then and then or or, or even a, a face gloss, you know, and then and then put a little bit of lip balm so, mm. so that the lips are smooth. Um, and you asked me about lip liner. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really personal preference. But if you want to have a lip that stays all day, you know, and, and you want that perfect, beautiful, matte sort of, you know, sort of, um, mouth, then, I mean, for me, um, that, that really works um, as, as, as an underlayer. And not just lining the lips. I would, I would fill the whole mouth and then use a lipstick over oh, that. Oh, um, okay. I don't. Well, I mean, it, it, it really is about personal preference. But remember, in the in the 70s and 80s, women used to do the sort of the black, the black liner around the yes. lips, and then fill yes. it in with a sort of bright pink or bright red yes. lip gloss. I think, you know, I'm sure that will come back at some stage. But at this stage, and I think it would be a, it's quite a big don't. <laughs> 
Daniela, thank you so much. It's been fun talking to you and, and, and really appreciate your time. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me, Shadow. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. That's Daniela Massens, beauty expert and uh, freelance beauty writer and editor. We're talking about lipstick and perfume today.